Hello there, everyone. Welcome to Digital Nomad Mastery, the podcast and the videocast where we teach you how to make money while traveling the world. Speaking of traveling the world, we're here in the northern Philippines, heading to Manila tomorrow, doing a whole bunch of speaking in the uh, Manila. I'll be doing my TEDx talk in three weeks. Super excited about that. And I have a one day workshop as well. So one of the things we love to do on our show is interview fellow dads, fellow entrepreneurs, fellow coaches, fellow speakers, and fellow world travelers. And I have one on the show here today. His name is David Fisher. He's joining us from Vancouver, BC, Canada, where I'm from originally. And uh, he is a speaker, coach, and a dad. So super excited to get David on the show and uh, pick his brain about speaking and coaching. So Dave, how are you doing today? Sir, I'm doing great. How are you over there in the evening, I guess, there now, huh? It is, it is. Uh, you know, opposite time zones, but it's all good because uh, I like working at nights. So it's all good for me. David, uh, one, of, one of the things we love to do on a show is not just do the traditional bio, but we really want to get to know our guest's story. So why don't we hear a little bit of your story in terms of your family, in terms of your business, in terms of your transition into coaching and, uh, coaching and speaking? Yeah, good. That's a, that's a great question. So yeah, I'm, I'm a dad. I have two teenage daughters. Uh, been in Vancouver for six and a half years now. I'm Canadian. Uh, and the journey into entrepreneurship and speaking and coaching uh, was, was an interesting one in terms that I was always good at it. I had done it in school. I have a bit of an acting background as well. And it was just something I'd always done as kind of a hobby. People would ask me to help them with their speech. Uh, I was asked to teach at a couple, at a couple other schools just, uh, just to kind of fill in at like an art school, things like that. But nothing I, I really took to say, oh, maybe I can turn this into, into a business. And a few years ago, when, when my life sort of went sideways and, and began to, to lose everything, uh, the job I had lined up here when I moved here had fallen through. And so used up all my investments and my savings and everything was gone. So I, I had started to look at entrepreneurship and thinking, okay, well, if I'm going to, if I'm going to, um, put the future in, in my own hands, I don't want to rely on, on somebody else on somebody else's decisions on of whether I should have a job or not have a job or anything like that. And so, uh, I started on a journey of entrepreneurship thinking it would be more of a traditional sales and marketing kind of thing, which I can do, but it really wasn't something that I was, I was passionate about. And I had a business mentor who just said, if you don't love what you're doing, you're, you're not going to really make any money at it. And I hung up the phone and it was his way of kind of saying, come on, let's go, let's go, let's make money together. But it had the opposite effect where I went, I don't really love doing this. And so uh, I, I pivoted, went another direction and said, what would I do if, if I had with combined with my skill set, so I, I can't be an astronaut or a baseball player, but I have the skill set of communication. I have the skill set of public speaking. And if I had all the free time in the world, what would I do to serve humanity or help the world make it a kinder, better place? Oh, I'd probably teach people how to communicate better. Ah, there's the birth of the business. And it's been a bit of a journey from that into really focusing on storytelling, vulnerability, connection. I work a lot with teenagers and a lot with kids, teaching them coaching, but also leadership skills. Uh, and the, the TEDx that I'm doing in, in November, uh, out of the uh, several speakers, I, about 75% of the speakers are teenagers. And then there's a few adults mixed in there as well. And I've had the privilege of coaching them. And it's just been great kind of hearing their insight into the world and how they see the world and how they, how they see technology and how they connect with others. And that's my heart to make sure that we can all stay connected and not use technology 
instead of a personal connection, but just use it to enhance or elevate a personal connection. A lot like what you're doing now is using technology to connect with people around the world. But, but the real thing is, is getting together and really having that heart to heart. That's a short version. <laughs> that was a beautiful short version. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, you've done a great job uh, summarizing your story. And also you help, uh, I mean, that's what you do. You help other people tell their stories. So of course, you're good at doing it yourself. So in terms of this whole area of storytelling and vulnerability and connection, um, you know, obviously that's the core of a society. We have uh, been built up a society on stories. Uh, and uh, the best uh, speakers are the best storytellers. So how can we as individuals become better storytellers? What's your top tips there? I think that, that, that's a really good question. And it's, it's an art and a science at the same time. But if you watch, if you go, go watch a Disney movie uh, or any well done movie, you see kind of the same, it, it follows the same formula. It's, it's the formula of, of the hero. And you know that three quarters through that Disney movie, something's going to go bad. Like it seems like it's okay, but something's going to go bad. And then you have the epic climax at the end and, and everybody's happy. And with some exceptions, of course, you know, horror movies and comedies and things like that. There may be some exceptions, but for the most part, stories start with, with and I use Lord of the Rings as a, as a good example because it's, it's, it's a classic hero story. One of the mistakes that a lot of people make even in speeches or storytelling is they tell the end before they tell the beginning. So they'll say something like, oh my gosh, this is the funniest story. Well, now we're all set up for it's a funny story. And then it's really not that funny because our expectations are higher than really what the story was. But if we say, oh, I have something I want to tell you. And then you just tell them a funny story. We don't know what's coming. And part of that is the element of surprise. And so you have a character that is changed by a circumstance. And that circumstance kind of puts them on a journey. And in that journey, people or a person comes along to, to mentor them or to help them. And so part of in the storytelling and part of what I share, and even part of the, the TEDx talk that I'm doing is, is I'm bringing in somebody who's actually my theater teacher from high school, that is the, 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 the pivot point in this story of somebody who comes along in my journey of a shy, awkward kid uh, and says, oh, here's somebody who believes in me, who's giving me a chance. That person then, and that circumstance changes that person. And then they go on that journey uh, to a, a climactic ending of how they've changed. And then the, the accumulation of that is sort of looking back and saying, I was this person this crisis happened, this person came and mentored me, I went through the struggle, I emerged victorious, and then here's who I am. And in a life story, we don't just emerge victorious and it's a happy ending forever. We're on this continuing journey. So we, we, we finish sort of one leg of the journey and then we're moving into another leg and it all gets messy and sort of washed together. But when we're sharing a story for a point, we kind of want to follow that same formula because then people say, oh, you struggle too. Oh, I get it. Uh, I tell people, don't just don't just share what keeps you up at night. It keeps you what wakes you up in the morning excited. What keeps you up at night afraid? Like, tell us both sides of that story, because then we connect to that. We connect to fear. We connect. But we also connect to victory. We want to know that other people struggle just like we do. But we can also be inspired by their ability and their grit to keep moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. I love the whole uh, the hero's journey uh, motif and in terms of like the wise mentor, the Gandalf coming in or the Yoda coming in, uh, the Lawrence Fishburne and the Matrix coming in, right, and helping the hero along. And we've all had this, you know, in our own uh, hero's journey, even though we're not Hollywood versions, <laughs> we have the Ricky versions or the Dave versions, but it's still powerful, isn't it? <laughs> and and you, maybe we'll be in a movie someday. 
who knows who knows the Dave Ricky movie we might be <laughs> so, so David um, you know a lot of people I found um, they don't believe they have a powerful story or they don't believe they are a hero there's a lot of confidence insecurity self-doubt um, tell us about that how do you develop their confidence as believing that they're actually heroes that's actually a really really good question and I wish there was a magic bullet answer to that, and, and there's not, but it is very personal. And one of the things that I, I encourage people, and I talk to people all the time saying, oh, I never, I don't, I don't have this story. I'm not a cancer survivor. Or I, I didn't survive a hostage crisis or something like that. And those are, those are great stories of, of inspiration to say, oh my gosh, you survived that, 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 that death-defying you know, circumstance. But then you have somebody who just said, ah, you know, I, I went through a relationship breakup or I lost my job. Or I... But those are stories that can be just as powerful because they're stories that we can relate to. And so it's how you craft the story. Both of those are as equally as important. And so as we go through our life's journey, all of us have stories. And some of the best stories are just the story about, ah, I got a flat tire on the way to the airport and I missed my flight. Like those are stories that we can relate to and you can make that kind of a funny heroic story and how that happened. So the formula is still the same. The storytelling is still the same. We can still connect in that way. And so for the people that feel like they don't have a story, they do. It just takes a little bit of questioning, a little bit of digging and allowing them and, and the hard part sometimes for people is to allow themselves to be a little bit vulnerable in storytelling and that's why I teach vulnerability that we don't want we don't want to we don't want to hear a story as like a news story we want to hear like a short story we want to hear how you felt what kind of journey was it and don't just say oh I was sad but you could you could describe what sad is you know tears welled up in my eyes and and I started to feel my breath quicken those types of things really help us picture that story by just using some adjectives and explaining how we felt at the time. And by doing that, even just taking a little bit of a step and having other people, and, and I do workshops on this and, and just having other people just begin to share a little bit, take that little step, take a little risk of saying, oh, let me tell you this story that usually I don't tell people, or let me just, let me just test the waters a little bit and share how I, how I felt that can usually build confidence if you're around an empathetic audience. So to create an environment or be that person to really listen in and ask those questions and be genuinely interested can help build that confidence of somebody saying, yeah, you know what, this is okay. I can, I can share because I actually have somebody that can listen. I think lots of times our self con we don't have confidence because we don't feel like anybody's listening. So if we can be the voice to step in or be the ears to step in and say, you know, I gotcha. I'm listening to you. It's okay. And ask those questions. And I just ran across this quote from Alan Alda, and, and I'm going to paraphrase it because I don't, I don't have it exactly memorized, but he said, when I'm willing, when I'm listening and having a conversation with somebody else, when I'm willing to hear them and allow that to change me, something special happens between the two of us. And that's way more exciting than just two dueling monologues. Because so often we sit and we listen and we're listening going, ooh, I know what I can, I know how I can respond to that rather than just genuinely listening and being in the moment. But I think if we can put ourselves in that place, that allows people to be safe and that safety when they take that step and realize, oh, it's okay. I can go knee deep in vulnerability or I can go waist deep in vulner vulnerability that can build confidence. And then you just lead them by the hand every step of the way. And it's, 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 it's hard. It's not an easy task because you're getting into the psychology of how people see themselves. 
Yeah, you know, uh, there's a, definitely this uh, vulnerability is power, and there's a great TEDx talk about it by Brené Brown about vulnerability yeah. and uh, getting to that depth of emotion and almost living that emotion on stage or as you're telling the story and uh, feeling it, feeling it literally. Uh, so tell us about uh, this whole... Uh, now, I find this too, like when I talk to people, like some people are vulnerable, but then they get into like victim mentality. So uh, you, you want to be like vulnerable, but not like accentuated to the point you're just being negative and like, oh, woe is me, woe is me. So how do you find the balance between vulnerability and victimization? That's actually a, that's a, that's a beautiful question. I don't think I've ever been asked that before. Uh, I, I think one of the, and, and I, I teach this when I, when I teach public speaking too, is, is if somebody's sharing a story from, when they were five, and it was a traumatic experience when they were five years old. My dad died when I was five years old. That, that's a long time ago. But if I wanna share that story and really connect with that story, then I need to sort of meditate on that moment so that it's a, it's a thin emotional place for me so that when I share that story, there's, there's a connection emotionally so that my brain doesn't know the difference between whether it was years and years ago or just you know a few weeks ago but we also don't want to stay there. So in that place of sort of remembering and meditating and thinking about those memories or those connections we have, we want to take us through that journey to bring us out of that too and say, ah, oh, here's who I became and I became stronger and here's the other people in my life that influenced me and helped me. And one of the, and if you're stuck in one of those situations now, so if you're going back to a place to, to remember to share that story, go back there, but don't stay there. Bring us, bring us out of that, even internally in your, when you're memorizing or thinking about it or remembering it or meditating on it. Don't, don't come out of that feeling, that depression, come out of that feeling, whatever you felt coming through on the other side of that, the end of the hero's journey where they were changed. And then if you're in that, and you're right, and, and I usually tell people, when you're vulnerable, be, be wise with it. Uh, don't just share your deepest, darkest skeletons with the barista as you're ordering a coffee in the morning. And so as you, as you do that, one of, the, one of the things of just being mindful and being grateful. And so rather than being stuck in that, oh, woe is me, I'm such a victim and everything is wrong. And when I had lost everything a few years ago, I realized that I kept waiting for somebody to save me. And I realized that I had to be my own hero and, and save myself. And the first thing I had to start to learn to do was to be grateful. And then rather than seeing everything I lost, let me see what I do have, what I am thankful for. And even if it's just looking at the flower on the street and go, oh, that's a really pretty flower. Let me just observe that flower for a moment. That's so cool that I have eyes to see that flower. Like we can all find something to be able to be grateful for. And so I try and make it a practice every day, even if it's just for five minutes while I'm lying awake in the morning or before I'm going to bed and say, what do I have to be grateful for today? And I try and think of something new. So it's not, it's not always the same thing every day, but it made me, hey, I was really grateful for the way that client uh, really went out of their way to acknowledge me yesterday. That was great. So try and find those new things. And when we're grateful for the things we have, then we can't be depressed for the things we don't because our brain can only hold one thing in our head. Sometimes it has to be very intentional and sometimes that's hard because sometimes our emotions are overwhelming, but we can make the choice to say, okay, in spite of how I feel, I'm choosing to be grateful. And you start digging for those things that you're grateful for. And that can really help get people out of that, and I know, can kind of get people out of that woe is me mentality. 
Love it, love it. So be um, the awareness, the mindfulness, and of course, the gratitude, being grateful for not what, what happened, but also like how you've overcome it. And that what happened has actually shaped you and formed you and created the person you are today. So great advice there. Uh, so yeah, you know, we all have our long, lengthy life stories. You know, it might be 20 years, 34 years, 40 years, 50, 60, 70, 80, 90. You know, we might have some podcast right. listeners who are 100 plus. Uh, so how do you summarize the story? Like, what, what would you be uh, your advice in terms of summarizing a whole life of experiences, of moments, of victories, of defeats, of valleys and mountains? What's the story summation? Good question. I, and I, what I usually tell people in terms of, of and this can be true, I, I coach it in terms of public speaking, but it can be true with networking. It can be true when you're sitting in a small group and, and you're just trying to get to know one another. And if somebody says, hey, share me your story. I mean, lots of times with public speaking, you, you have an opportunity to share a little bit of your story with the audience. So to whatever extent to whatever time you have allotted, rather than just giving this this timeline of, well, I was born in Nova Scotia. And then when I was five, I moved to Colorado, like those types of things. People aren't going to remember that anyway. And so I say, if, if I come up to somebody and I say, okay, uh, Ricky, tell me the five, the five memories of your life that you can tell me right now. And then you would just say, here's this, 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 and this. Okay, great. Now pick three of those and share those moments because usually those are the ones that help shape and form you. Now that there might, there might be some editing requiring context and things like that, where you're thinking, oh, that story isn't going to work for this audience. But the idea is it's better to pick a couple things that you can go a little bit deep into that help allow you, the listeners and to reveal to them who you are rather than just give a timeline. And then you're like, oh, Ricky's the guy who went through this. or Ricky's the guy who accomplished this. We don't have to know every little detail of your life, but we do know those couple points in your life that help shape who you are now and why you're doing what you're doing now. And so usually when I'm sharing those stories, uh, I'm saying, okay, here's the three events that put me in a position right now that's allowing me to grow a business and be a TEDx speaker and, and, and do workshops. If it's more, if it's more toward families, then I'll talk about, I'll talk about fatherhood or I'll talk about my relationship with my grandparents or whatever. But usually that you have those couple memories at the top of your head. If somebody just asked you that question, those are the stories that you want to share rather than just kind of this bland newsreel. I love that advice. Yeah. So basically you get the meat and potatoes, like the, the highlights the, and the lowlights, right? And you like, whatever those things are, that's what you share rather than that whole biography. That's, you can say it for your memoir. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Exactly. And, and all of those should have kind of that heroic feel to it where I was this, this happened, I've emerged and that helped shape me. And then this happened and then this, and then kind of repeat, there's different stories throughout your life. But all of those kind of have a little bit of that heroic, you know, flow to it. And those now we just naturally gravitate toward those. So you don't really have to analyze it a whole lot and say, uh, uh, oh, let me think, does this one does this one kind of sound like 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 uh, uh, like Frodo and, and the ring? Uh, not really. I mean, it's just naturally we just kind of think these are the stories that we remember because they actually take us on a little bit of a journey. Awesome. So uh, we've gone through this whole storytelling process, but tell us about the delivery because you could have the best story in the world, but have a poor delivery and it just doesn't connect with the audience. So tell us about how you turn the story, uh, the speech, the preparation into actually powerful delivery that captivates and moves and uh, causes the audience to act. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's, that's, uh, 
that's a good question. And a lot of that is, is, is personalized where you have to see sort of where somebody's at. Cause sometimes they're all over the place and sometimes they're, 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 they're not anywhere, but some of the keys that one of the biggest things that, that I work with with speakers on is should I memorize? Should I not memorize? And I usually tell people, if it's your story, you know your story, but you do want to practice it. You do want to rehearse it because you don't want to go off on a rabbit trail and then you've lost focus. So you do want to go through that. If it's something like a TEDx where it's timed, you know, then yeah, you probably do want to memorize that. If it's a workshop, then, then maybe it's a little bit more loose, but you still want to practice some practice. And usually what I tell people is once you get the foundation of, of however you're going to present, whether you have it memorized or not, is that once you get to that point where you're like, ah, I got it. You need to go through it another 50 times because you have it sitting in your living room and the comfort of there's no nerves, there's no adrenaline, there's nobody in the audience that you can see because there's no audience. Suddenly you walk on stage and you go, I forgot everything I was going to say because somebody coughed in the corner or somebody's not paying attention or somebody's on their phone or the room is too hot or the lights are weird and you're not used to having light shining in your face. So you got to go through it and through it and through it and through it and through it. Just like riding a bike. The first time you ride a bike, uh, and, and there's there's no training wheels and somebody says, look at that bird. And you're like, I can't because all you're doing is just staring at the road in front of you after you've practiced and it becomes habit. Then you can swerve around the pothole and you can look at the bird and you can you can be aware of what's going on. Uh, so that's the foundation is knowing it, knowing it inside and out. Or if I said, Ricky, give me your speech right now, then you could you could just rattle it off or start with point two and you go, uh, OK, I'm ready. And so we have to be familiar with it we have to internalize it so more than just memorize we have to internalize and then that way if we need to pivot or go off or share a different story or share it differently than the way we practiced it that's fine because it's so inside of you that you can just bring it out and i did a uh, they, they did a study with uh vanessa van edwards who does a study on communication and she said that she compared similar topics of tedx and of who got more views than others and the one let's say it was on uh, living living for 300 years or whatever, extra long life and science of that. And she said, if there's two speeches, one of them has a million views, one of them has 10,000 views, what's the difference? It was gestures. And so to go from internalizing it, now you're comfortable saying, okay, how do I use my hands? What do I do when I use my hands? What do I do when I move around on stage? And it's there's a whole bunch of different things that you can use. Most of it is just natural. Use your hands naturally, but there are some tricks. You don't want to point. There's certain things that you want to do and not do. And those are things you could just look up online. Good hand gestures for public speaking. Uh, and I think the last sort of overarching thing that I would I would tell people is it's okay to pause. And a pause for you might seem like an eternity. It's three seconds for the audience and that's time for them to digest it or five seconds. You're sitting here thinking, oh my gosh, it's going to be forever. But if you count to five in your head uh, and practice doing that, when you go on stage, then even though the adrenaline's going and your brain's going really fast, those pauses can create people to kind of lean in and go, ooh, tell me more, rather than just filling it with a bunch of words. And then we can digest that story. And then we can move forward and then we can digest that story and then we can move forward. And there's a whole bunch of other things that we could talk about with that. But those are those are kind of the three is internalize, use your hands and pause. And the main thing is to have it, I think, so well embedded in you. I was coaching another another speaker who's doing an event and he goes, what do I need to do before I go on stage? And I said, 
breathe and think about the audience because you know the speech. Don't think about your speech. Think about the audience because you're you're you will speak and change lives and inspire people. Think about them. Then when you go on stage, it's all about them. It's not about you. And then you become much more natural and you're not inside your own head. Now you're just about serving them. So speaking of TEDx talks, you have one coming up. And uh, of course, you are speaking to two audiences. You got the local in-person yeah. crowd and you're speaking to a global YouTube TED.com audience. So how do you find a balance between the local and the global video version? Good question. And I think part of it is focusing on who's in the audience, but not ignoring the video that's taking place. Because if you're, if you're, if you're talking just to the camera, then you lose the audience and you lose the energy in the room. If you focus on the energy in the audience, and you see this with speakers, if, if you see this on other TED Talks or you see it and, and you watch a video of a, a Tony Robbins event or something like that, he's, he's, not, he's not looking at the camera. He's not even, he's not acknowledging that there's people all over the world watching. He's focusing on who's in the audience. But now we get drawn into that as well. And so as we get drawn in, when a speaker is engaged with that audience, we feel like we're a part of that audience. If the speaker's looking at one person in the audience and then you're in another part of the audience, you still feel like you're engaged in that conversation. And so it's the same thing with video. If you, can, if you have that energy and that connection with the audience, people will be drawn in on the video. Now in my speech, one of the things that I do is I pull out a little, I'm gonna pull out a little uh, Tynosaurus Rex and it's about this big, the audience isn't gonna be able to see that. So I'll actually say, maybe the camera can kind of zoom in on this. And I will acknowledge then at that point that there's, that there's cameras in the room and that they can hopefully put it up on the screen. Uh, and then I have a joke about the short arms of a T-Rex. And so uh, what, And so there, there is a little bit of play with that, but I think we, we don't have to focus on people halfway around the world because we don't know who, we are, who they are or how they're responding we focus on what's right in front of us. And just like a, like a movie actor, they're not focused on the camera or the director, they're focused on the other actor or the situation that they're dealing with. We get drawn into that story because of that. So if the audience sees a speaker being engaged with an audience, we get drawn into that story as well, even if we're just watching it on video. Yeah, great advice. And I love the example of Tony Robbins. When he does it, he's like the master that you're just like in it because you're like, I'm not in the room. I'm not all pumped up. I'm not all energized. But when he starts talking, I'm like, okay, I'm here. I'm in the room. So I love that example there. You got it. Totally. So David, uh, curious to know about your own prep. Uh, you got your TEDx talk in November, as do I. I'm like prepping like crazy. I got my scripts, like 10 drafts of my script, 10 drafts of my video, practice, 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 analyzing, you know, interviewing people, et cetera. Tell us about your journey to be a TEDx speaker in terms of your preparation, what you're doing, how are you keeping up your uh, preparation and uh, how are you leading up to the delivery in November? That's, that's actually a good question. I, uh, I, I started with the, and I already had the content. The, uh, the, the trick was I had 90 minutes of content that I have to condense into, you know, like 15 minutes. And so the idea is now just ripping it apart and editing and saying, okay, how do I make this? How do I make these four stories into one story and still get the point across and take out all the activities and the workshop and stuff that I do? Okay, maybe I can squeeze in one activity for the audience. And so a lot of that was the editing. And then it's just, it's writing and rewriting. I sent it to a couple other people uh, who, are, who are speakers to say, does this make sense to you? Can this flow? Do you understand the point of this speech? 
Uh, and I had them kind of say, yes, absolutely. But here's a, here's a couple of things that I would do to maybe make it clear, or maybe you could move this, this sentence up a little higher because that helps set up the story you're going to share. Like get some feedback from some other people who you, who you know and trust. Then once that's done, now all I'm doing is every day, I'm, I'm going through it over and over and over and over again, and I'm speaking it out loud. And then as I'm just sort of reading it, I'm, if I read it and my mind wanders, cause you know, when you're like, you're reading a textbook in, in school and then you're like, I have no idea what I just read. You go over it so much, you get familiar with it, but you still haven't internalized it yet. So you could read a paragraph and go, I have no idea what I just read, even though you do, cause you wrote it. I want to read it as if I'm in the moment. And so I'm like, okay, let me go back. Let me read it again and be really in the moment of these words. And then I can start making little tweaks. Okay, I really wouldn't say it this way. I would write it this way, but the way we write and the way we speak can be two different things. So then I start making little notes. Oh, and here is maybe where I want to move left or here's where I want to move right. And I start blocking it out a little bit of where I want to move on stage with the freedom to know that might change, but I also don't want to get happy feet to start pacing. So I write the points out where I say, okay, Here's a point where I want to move right because I'm shifting the point and the story. I want the audience to follow that. So I write all that stuff down and then I just go through it and I practice and I practice and I practice. And there's moments when I practice when I'm preparing as if uh, it's like a dress rehearsal. I am standing and I'm timing it and I pretend there's an audience and I'm breathing and I'm prepping and I'm stretching out. And I'm doing all this in my practice. There's other times when I'm just on transit. And I'm just pulling it out of my phone and reading through it so I can get familiar with it because I don't want my brain to get stuck in a certain way of doing things. So I balance the two out between having fun with it, doing the dishes, running through it, and then also really practicing it. And then between the two, I kind of find new ways to do it or new ways to say it. But now it's just rehearse, 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 rehearse. Over and over again. <laughs> Love it. So in conclusion, uh, David, I always ask this to my guests, but I want to know a little yeah. bit more about the vision for the future. You got the family, you got the business, you got your workshops, you got the TEDx talk coming up, you do speaking coaching. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about your vision for the future in terms of your family, business and travels and more. Yeah, one of the things that that I'm going to start doing next year, I, do, I started doing workshops on vulnerability and storytelling and, and have done a, a couple of those and a couple speeches on that. That's accumulating or led me to the TEDx. Next year, I'm going to I'm going to spin off on that and actually start doing some things that are focused on dads and daughters. And uh, I sat down with my kids. I'm like, what do you think of this? And the first question I asked is, how can I be a better dad? And then, so they started making these lists and, um, and then, they, but it was cool because then they asked me, well, how can I be a better kid? I'm like, beautiful. So it's a really good conversation. But then I said, I want to do this workshop that can connect parents and teenagers or dads and daughters. Cause that's my, obviously my orientation. And they started coming up with all these great ideas in a workshop. And I thought, oh, that's perfect. So next year I'm going to launch some of, some of those activities and workshops where I can just say, parents, bring your kids or teenagers, dads, bring your daughters. I'll kind of figure out the demographic, probably do a bit of both. Say, so we're just going to do a workshop on how to connect as a family. Uh, and then from there, then I'll also continue to expand into the storytelling and the vulnerability. I have some international connections. And, and so the idea then at that point is to start accumulating other people's stories and then turning that into a podcast, into a book, into a blog, uh, because now it's other people's content. Like what you're doing, you're getting other people's stories. I'm going to have other people's stories of who's vulnerable to them. Who do they feel vulnerable to? Who are they grateful for? Re-engage with them, have that conversation. And then if you feel comfortable, send me that story 
because then we can have a, a separate dialogue either on a podcast or putting it into a book or something like that so that we can all be inspired by each other's stories, which I think is really important in, a, in an age where we could just watch Instagram all day. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. And Instagram can be quite inspiring as well, as long as they're vulnerable in Instagram too, not just... Uh, <laughs> right. <laughs> so, uh, David, uh, how can people connect? Do you have your website, social media, and more? You have your workshops and coaching, speaking. Tell us all the ways they can connect. Yeah, you can. Uh, anybody can email me. My website, uh, which is probably the central place that you could go, is David uh, is justdon'tblink.com. Uh, justdon'tblink.com, and uh, I got that just because. Don't blink. Don't flinch. Don't blink <laughs> through life. Don't be afraid face it head on so just don't blink.com uh there's also a facebook page where you can do just don't blink and uh instagram i think it's kingfisher communications but if you just go to my website just don't blink.com then all the information is there uh if you want to email me directly david at just don't blink.com awesome and quick two closing questions what does kingfisher communications refer to and what's the marauders map I'm sorry, the second question? I didn't, I missed oh, that. Marauder's Map. I've just been staring at it the whole time. Oh. Behind Marauder's Map. Awesome. Uh, so Kingfisher, because my last name is Fisher. So Kingfisher Communications is, is the company that, that I run for communication and storytelling. Just Don't Blink is the public speaking part of that that, uh, that also has the website name. Uh, so Kingfisher Communications, just don't blink.com. That is actually my daughter's room. It's separated from, from, from the rest of the house. It's in the back. And so uh, she has this, uh, this map. I think it's from a video game. Uh, so, but I had some glare in the back. So I'm like, let's just throw this over here. And uh, we love science fiction and fantasy and all that. So uh, you know, I'm drinking out of my Doctor Who mug and I have a Marauder's map. And I'm not even sure what that is. But uh, <laughs> I have to ask her and... and uh, you know, if you email me, I'll find out and let you know. There you go. I'll have it in the, the show notes below. Yeah, the, the mystery of the Marauder's Map. You guys yeah, exactly. are watching this on YouTube and wondering, what the heck is this? Well, you're going to find out. You're going to look at the YouTube description. <laughs> and if you're listening to a podcast, you're like, no, you have no idea what we're talking about. So you got to watch the video version of YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> so, David, uh, thanks so much for your time. Definitely wishing the best Absolutely. in your TEDx talk in November. And uh, I look forward to watching it uh, through the power of YouTube and TEDx, uh, TED.com. Absolutely. We'll definitely be in touch. I can't wait to hear yours. Thank you. And thanks, everyone, for tuning into this episode. And if you haven't given your own tech talk, make sure you apply and get accepted and then deliver a talk based on all these principles that David's been talking about. And uh, happy speaking, happy traveling, and we'll catch up with you guys on the next episode.